Hello, everyone. Today I'm joined by Mitch Gilbert, a Los Angeles-based inclusive product designer and the CEO of Oya Femtech Apparel. How are you doing today, Mitch? Hey, hi. How's it going? Going good, going good. Thanks for joining. So if you don't mind, could you start off by telling us what is your company? What is Oya Femtech Apparel? Oya is sort of like the Under Armour for vaginas. So we make a patent pending apparel uh, for women that sweat. So our whole design thesis is around how do we help women deal with moisture by creating apparel that involves moisture management, ventilation, as well as um, antimicrobial properties. Uh, We were born out of athletes. Uh, specifically women who play a lot of sports or live in spandex are more likely to develop feminine health issues because spandex traps moisture and it doesn't breathe. So it leads to the development of bad bacteria. But since launch, we've learned that a lot of women are into our apparel because a lot of women suffer from feminine health issues. And we want to be an agent of change and we want to develop innovative stuff that puts vaginas at the forefront. Clear. Thank you for that. And one thing that's interesting about your story is clearly we know how Black founders have a hard time or challenging time raising capital. Um, You have been successful when it comes to raising capital, more successful than um, most out there right now. And I'd like you to speak a little bit on what the journey was to, what your journey has been raising capital for your company. Yeah, so uh, having been on the other side, I think there's a lot of gatekeeping in the venture capital community because people people who have the money to make investments like to invest in things that spiritually make sense to them. So there's no friction. And what happens is sometimes in Black communities, there's not always, or even women, like in these underserved or underrepresented groups, there is not always a lot of overlap with investors who are traditionally richer, older white men uh, to have that like frictionless belief, I guess you could say. And so a lot of my journey with raising venture capital was how can I talk to these investors in a language that they understand? So there's no way there's no there's no nowhere where my message could get lost in translation. And so We, Oya was born out of a very risk adverse place. So I went to business school where I learned to speak, I guess you could say a language, right? So I'm learning things about financial models and cash flow analysis and projections and putting together a pitch deck. From there, Oya was refined at business plan competitions where we started getting to meet the types of key leaders who would help us birth this baby or this startup, I guess you could say. And then from there, we graduated from accelerator programs where we were able to receive a lot of guidance and not from underrepresented groups, because then it's almost like the blind leading the blind. It's like when you're talking to your girlfriends about how to talk to your man, it's like your man isn't your girlfriend. You know what I mean? Like you should probably be talking to either your man or someone like who fits that demographic because they're going to tell you how to talk to them in a way that makes sense. And so we had the opportunity to go through tech stars where I started engaging with who these venture capitalists are. So like these richer white men, specifically in the sports vertical, which is Oya. 
And I learned how to talk about Oya in a way where it reduced that friction. Hmm. So in what ways did you change how you were describing the company? Um, well, we just got a lot about tighter about everything, partly with going through business plan competitions and going through these accelerators is you're always being attacked and not in a bad way. It's like, you're always just on spotlight. So if there's mm -hmm. any errors, like one thing I loved about Techstars is like every week they made us get up and talk about like our faults or our failures. And we got so comfortable. Um, everyone was so humble, even though everyone's businesses were different in different places, like that level of like, start with me where your weaknesses are, and then we'll yeah. improve from there, uh, really helped me like see holes that these see holes and be able to describe them in a way where I could bring these investors along my journey. Got it. Got it. And in regards to investors and investments, can you share your journey with equity crowdfunding and how you're able to raise over $100,000, I believe? Yeah, that was an interesting exercise in finding my voice. Mm -hmm. uh, something that I struggle with. I am a people pleaser and I don't know if you follow Enneagrams. I'm a type three. So like, it's like this overachieving anxiety prone human who always wants to make everyone around her happy. Like what is the right answer? Risk adverse and all of these things. Mm -hmm. Leading a FemTech company that is pro vaginas in an environment where people like me don't raise capital. We don't even get invited to the room. Those sorts of things made it difficult for me to have a voice. And so I found myself hiding and not being heard or, or taken seriously. Or, and so, because I felt frustrated going to business school, I could literally see my classmates who didn't even, who didn't have products, had not launched, but they were white passing men. And I could see the type of capital that they were able to raise and who was taking them seriously in the room versus me who had launched, who had traction, had these ideas, let's research, and no one was taking me seriously. And so eventually I just got frustrated and started yelling on LinkedIn. I was advised not to do that because that could offend people and isolate me and all these other things. But at a certain point, I'm like, they're already doing it. So who yeah. am I going to offend? Because they've already made this decision to not listen to me before I walk into the room. And that is where I met seat at the table. Um, and it was honestly a very joyous experience for me because Seat at the Table brought a lot of diverse people onto my cap table mm -hmm. and a lot of like advocates. I It's funny because a lot of them are also older men. And so it's like we're, we're like we're going through it at the same time. They're learning how to use words like vaginas. And it, it, it's very um, it's very sweet because they're all like uncles. In fact, I was at um, an event where I met one of my seat at the table investors and I was like I see you every couple of months he's like yeah yeah and I was like every time I see you it's just, you're essentially like saying good job little one just keep going and I'm like, <laughs> like kind of like I don't know I was teasing him and he was like you know it's fine I don't have a vagina but this makes sense and I got my family to invest too I was like you're you got your family to invest in oil he's like yeah I got my aunt I got my cousin we're all in we're all in and I was like that's beautiful and I that came through seed so I appreciate that energy yeah so when they talk about you know your family when you're with them it's not just talking it they're walking it as well right yeah and I think what happened with seed and why it caught fire is that you don't see a lot of um, 
business school that so black women are the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs in america so this is nothing to take away from their talent their intelligence their all their drive etc you also see an over indexing us and of us in cpg businesses so product-based businesses that require a lot of SKUs and a lot of like upfront capital and it can be difficult to turn into a profitable business so you don't see a lot of us going through the business school track and like creating like a venture back or a venture a, a startup that could be venture back because not all startups, including a lot of them that are successful, are venture backed focused. You know, yeah. like it's just because just because you have a great startup or a great company doesn't mean that it needs venture capital. So when you're in the black community specifically looking for venture backed businesses, there is not always a lot. So that pipeline is um is thin. And so I think with Seed, they were looking for that opportunity. And something that was really beautiful is um they're they're all essentially noops. Like it's a fraternity. Like so the noops came together as a collective from across the country. Um, which is very strong, like Black Brotherhood loved that and really Raleigh to support Oya because this fit in with their investment thesis. Mm -hmm. No, that's amazing. So talking about the crowdfunding process, what would you say some of the challenges that you had? And I, I don't know if you tried crowdfunding before or this was the first time, but we'll explain the process and what were some of the challenges that you had um, that you might have had to overcome well, we had a leg up because we had done a Kickstarter. So a lot of the materials that we needed, like being able to explain our concepts, being able to have creative assets, like videos, pictures, the copy, all those marketing materials take time. Mm -hmm. And where I see a, a lot of businesses struggle is getting together their idea in a way where it uh, can be communicated to people. And so... I think a lot of initial crowdfunding equity campaigns struggle in that regards. Second, Oya had traction and we had a following. So it wasn't just, it's, it's. Um, I read, I think a quote, people invest in men based off of potential, people invest in women based off attraction. So sometimes people are going onto these crowdfunding equity campaigns a lot of times because they're not being heard by traditional investors. And if you're not being heard by these groups and you don't have traction or like proof, it's hard to be taken seriously. So Oya had that. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say those are two big hurdles that I see a lot of businesses struggle with, with uh, crowdfunding equity campaigns. Interesting. And yeah. what advice, sorry, what was that? You also had a community. I think another thing is sometimes people get onto these platforms and they're just like, we're going to launch it in the ethos and all these people are going to come out of nowhere. And it's like, that's not how this works. What actually happens is you find a community and then you use this platform as a tool to raise money through that community. I think someone on C, um, Rebecca and her uh books publishing company did a great job of finding a lot of new people through this campaign. Um, and I think there's different strategies. Like if you take like Rebecca's approach, which was find lots of new people and take them in at any dollar amount. So she didn't have a limit limit like or like a baseline. Yeah. So she was like a hundred dollars, fifty dollars, a thousand dollars, twenty thousand, or whatever from anyone. Mm -hmm. Whereas 
Oya had significantly less investors than her, but our amount was higher. So I think we started somewhere around like a thousand dollars or something like that, um, which is literally a thousand percent higher than just a dollar. So um, I think with her approach, you can find new people, but with Oya's approach, we were very intentional about finding a community and then using the equity platform to activate that community. Gotcha. So what advice would you have, and you kind of answered part of that question already, what advice do you have for any other founders who are considering uh, crowdfunding as a source of raising equity for their company? Um, and how could they, I guess, hit the ground running, so to speak? Get your creative assets in order. Um, like show show your attraction, show your proof, show why people should be leaving you. And also... Uh, when I started, I didn't realize how front facing I was going to need to be as a founder. Like I was just kind of like, I'm just gonna work on these innovations and be in a corner and just like, just do my thing. And now I'm like, oh, as a founder, people want to see you because mm -hmm. what they're investing in is not necessarily their, their idea. They're investing in how they feel about you and your potential. So I would say get ahead of that. And don't make it a one person show. Like I know a lot of people who have made a lot of money in businesses where it's just them but like that's not how you scale you need someone to help you and figuring out like how you can play them affordably whether you can ask for help on LinkedIn and all those things yeah I would just ask for help like you'd be like hey how do you make people people shoot their shot with me people and like sometimes I can I can um I can help them because I schedule meetings on Thursdays and sometimes I can't. But like, if you just don't sit in the dark being like, oh, I'm just going to give this a shot and like stack it up into the universe because that's not a strategy. And if you don't have a strategy, how can you be successful? Right. No, well said. Hey, well, Mitch, thank you so much for taking the time to chat and, you know, discuss your journey with equity crowdfunding on Seat at the Table. Definitely wish you more continued success with your business and hey, keep keep going. Thank you. All right. You have a great rest of the day. You too. Take care.